Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, we are continuing in our series on the book of Daniel, and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is back with a message on conviction. You can go ahead and open up your Bible or your Bible app to Daniel chapter 6, and if you would like to find additional resources on this message, or if you want to hear our past messages, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and more on our Brookwood Church app. I'm your peace. great suggestion to ask God to breathe on his church, but also to breathe on us individually. You know, I may, I always prepare in the study and I might provide you something interesting to consider, but it doesn't profit you spiritually unless God's Holy Spirit applies it to your life. So it's always more important what he says to you than what I say to you. So we continue our series, Living in a Foreign Land. Today's message is entitled Conviction. Take out your message guide. The outline is the first two pages. The theme verse from today's focus of Daniel 6 is from the first part of verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, these next two words are the most important in the sentence, as usual, in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. Now, after Daniel was promoted, you will see this in a second, by Darius the Mede, who was the new Persian ruler for the city of Babylon, The other officials in the kingdom plotted Daniel's demise. Despite being faced with dire, even fatal consequences, Daniel displayed his faith publicly. This series obviously has focused on the idea that we're living in a foreign culture. And like Daniel, we are exiles in the land where many of us were born. But as exiles in a culture that is becoming increasingly antagonistic toward our Christian faith and morality, we must, like Daniel, continue to display our Christian conviction despite being threatened by negative consequences. Oswald Chambers, who knows what devotional book he wrote? What is it? Yes, my utmost, you and a gold star. Collect it from David Hardy. It's a very fine devotional book. But I took a, a quote from Oswald Chambers. And he said, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. If you do not fear God, you fear everything else. So what do you fear? What comes to mind when I ask you that question? Because your fear will dominate your life. 
and your behavior will align itself to avoid that which you fear. And we want to look at the background as we begin in Daniel 6, 1. Glad to see some people are recovering from hospital check-ins this year, this week. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. Darius the Mede, Darius was not likely his name. His name was more likely Gehorah. And it, so Darius is probably a title for a man whom the king of Persia, anybody know his name? The actual king of Persia. And he later facilitated rebuilding the temple. Cyrus. Cyrus ruled Persia from 539 to 530 BC. And so Cyrus was not in Babylon. And so he appointed the man that we know as Darius the Mede to actually rule over that city. But he didn't actually become king of all of Persia. Verse two, the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, Darius might have suspected that the Babylonian officers that he inherited when the Persians conquered the city were not working diligently and perhaps not even honestly. So he had planned to appoint Daniel to supervise not only the, the 120, but also the other two who in the beginning were Daniel's peers, but now he's going to be elevated among all 122 of the others. Now here's my question as we begin. Has your Christian conviction expressed through your work ethic caused you to be given oversight of other people? Let me see some hands. You've been promoted because of your character. Because see, as believers, we don't work for the boss. Who do we work for? We work for Christ. And to whom do we give our ultimate account? God again. So our standards must always be higher than any boss could ever expect of us. But here's the other related question. Did your elevation create problems for you as it did for Daniel? The grumbling starts. So we're going to consider by looking at Daniel's life how to live with Christian conviction. Now, I'm not talking about being prosecuted and found guilty of a crime. When I say conviction, I'm talking about you are convinced of scriptural truth, of God's identity, of your identity in him. And because you are convinced, you live according 
to God's guidelines. That's the conviction we're talking about. So first, to live with Christian conviction means that we realize that we may be mistreated. Chapter six, verse four. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. Does that describe you at work? So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Were these men angry with Daniel about his faith? No. And remember this, Daniel had been practicing his faith consistently for now almost 70 years. So there was nothing new about it. They simply saw that they could use his faith to trap him. Well, why would they oppose him? If he was the best at this job, why would they oppose him? Jealousy, envy. Envy is always an expression of an insecure human heart. And envy often expresses anger as well when the threat is even more intense. How do you respond when someone's elevated above you? You need to find out what is that about? What is that revealing in me? Also, if these other officials were stealing or misusing fund, another reason they wanted to get Daniel removed, they knew he wouldn't allow the dishonesty, would he? And what was their chance of corrupting him? None. You know, sometimes the, the folks in the office are okay when a certain person gets elevated because they know he or she is going to be in the swamp with them immediately or already is. Nobody gets found out. But when Daniel was elevated, they knew we're not going to be able to corrupt him and he will not tolerate what we have been doing. Sometimes Christians are opposed in the workplace because they refuse to follow dishonest, even immoral practices that have become widely accepted in the industry. Any of you know what I'm talking about? The way you register your sales, you know the sales coming next month, but you need to put it in this month. It's time to pay taxes, but I mean, everybody knows there's no taxation on cash, right? All of these things. Well, you know, if we're going to get this job, we got to give a few things. You got to have some football tickets. Maybe we take, you know, got to go to the strip clubs. We got to, I mean, that's just what you have to do to get a client, right? That's just the way it is. 
can't be the way it is for us. It cannot be the way. Although you are sure to experience scorn if you stand for Christ. In addition, they were Babylonian. Daniel was what? He was Jewish. And not only was he Jewish, how did he get to Babylon? Essentially slavery. He was a captive. He was elevated. He was taken and made to serve in Babylon. But now Daniel is over 80 years old at this point. So he has spent all but his early teen years in Babylon. But, but realize this, even though he'd been there that long and he had served faithfully and he was known to be wise and honest and capable, they still resented this Jewish man being elevated above them. Racism can last a long time. Verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. Were they? But they sure implied they were, didn't they? We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that, that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. You think they're appealing? Well, let me ask you, what are they appealing to in him? his vanity, his ego. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So Darius signed the law. Now, let me, let me say this. When somebody comes to you and says, Everybody is saying what's your response? No, what's your response? Everybody's saying. What's your response? Who? I want names. And if somebody says, Well, I can't tell you, then you say, then shut your mouth and get out of my office. Listen. Do not get in this whispering campaign mess. If someone doesn't have the conviction to stand and express their opinion, identifying who they are, don't listen. Don't listen. Because you can tear up a family, you can tear up an office, you can ruin a business with this gossipy, whispering campaign. And boy, people trade in it, don't they? Everybody thinks this. They're saying this about you. Well, I know that doesn't bother you, but some people it bothers. But I always ask, who's saying it? Who's saying it? 
See, these officials knew that Darius wanted to unify the kingdom as quickly as possible because he had to transform these defeated Babylonians into loyal Persians. So it wasn't just a religious law, it was actually more a political law because he was trying to realign their loyalty quickly by demanding it, by fiat. So the law, you see, would identify Darius as the sole mediator between the people and their gods. So he would be the source of every blessing. Folks, be careful when the government tries to become the supplier of your every need. Who's our provider? God's our provider. But don't, you can't have it both ways. You see, you can't have it both ways. These officials suggested also, I think, perhaps, that Darius do something that he might have already wanted to do. So when they said, we think you should be prayed to, that should have horrified him, shouldn't it? But it didn't, did it? Well, if you say so. If you think I'm to be the one that everybody looks up to, everybody prays to, I'm the giver of all blessings. Well, I think that may be the rational thing to do. So he eagerly, impulsively, foolishly agreed to it. Pride expressed as ego and ambition makes people extremely easy to manipulate. Do you know that? What you think, Stephen? You don't know anything about that. The, the most egotistical people are always the most insecure people. The most ambitious people are always the easiest to manipulate. In our culture, do y'all think, do y'all think people resi- um, resent Christian character in our culture? What'd you think, Grant? What'd you think? That's my cousin. My nephew. I said, my, not my cousin, my nephew. Do, do, does our culture resent Christian character? No. What about Christian character is offensive? Compassion, generosity, kindness, forgiveness, grace. What else? Humility, mercy, fairness. What, what about that is offensive? So you got to tighten up in your thinking here. It isn't Christian character that the culture resents. It's Christian morality that our culture resents. In fact, if you live immorally, 
dishonestly, they don't care what you claim to believe in. But our culture, people in our culture grow angry and will attempt to silence you regarding God's truth on moral matters. In particular, today, adultery, same-sex marriage, they don't mind if you're nice and forgiving, but don't declare this is right and this is wrong according to God's Word. Now, here's my thing. I don't want any clapping. I want some living. And I don't want any protesting. I want some relating. You don't change anybody's mind holding up a placard, treating somebody angrily, treating somebody with scorn, none. You just create enemies. You just create enemies. So here's the question for us. Do we live according to God's guidelines? Or do we live in compliance with pressure from other people? Living with Christian conviction also includes refusing to conceal my faith. Verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. That's according to really the, the speaking of Solomon at the, point, at the time of temple dedication, 1 Kings 8. They were taught to pray towards the temple where the Shekinah glory, where the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies. Did Daniel start protesting? Did he try to, to raise an uprising against the Persians? then why do we think that's the thing to do? Give me a sign. Start shouting something angrily. Mm -mm. Daniel prayed. What were the next two words? How much as usual are you doing in terms of displaying your real faith, your tangible faith? He just practiced the faith the same way he had for 70 years in the midst of Babylon. Now, would you have done that if you were Daniel? Law's been issued. What would you have done? I mean, wouldn't it be kind of easy to say, well, I'm, I still believe in God and I'm going to just keep on praying. God, I'm going to keep on praying. All you got to do is close the windows. All you need to do is lower your volume. You might even say, well, it's time for a vacation. I'm going to go out of town so I can pray. I need a 30-day sabbatical. I'll pray out there. Could come up with a whole lot of reasons that the wise thing to do is just not get messed up in this. Isn't that right? 
He could have compromised his conviction about prayer. Closed the windows, prayed more silently, left the city. But that would have proven that he feared men far more than he feared God. What do we display? Do we alter our words? Do we change our actions so we can fit in? So we won't stand out, so we won't be noticed, so we won't be criticized, so we won't have any conflict at all? Or will we courageously display our convictions? Well, I'll say this, we'll only display those convictions if God is more real to us than this world. Did y'all hear that? Did you get that? She can ask me. Only if God is more real than this world. That means the unseen kingdom of God is more significant in your life because it's eternal than this world which is thin and temporary. These officials encouraged each other to resent and despise Daniel. And that aligned them together. Have you noticed that identifying a common enemy is the easiest way to raise support? Find a common enemy. People that don't like each other will align. Now the problem is, if Daniel had gotten bumped off and one of them stood up, the fight would start again. Because they didn't believe in principle. They didn't believe by faith, they didn't have any real agreement except we all hate Daniel, this Jewish guy who's been promoted over us. Verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Well, was that just coincidence? No, they knew what time he prayed. This guy had been praying three times a day for 70 years. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? See the trap they're setting? You know what? I think this is similar to setting up Christians for lawsuits by demanding they provide services that violate their values. The people that sue them already knew the people, already knew what their values were. There were other providers of, of the same service. But it's the point. It's not, it's not the Christian character of kindness, goodness, friendliness, forgiveness. It's that these people stand on the principle of this behavior is not right according to God. And if someone's insecure about this feeling and their, this lifestyle, what they have to do is try to silence every opposing voice. Even if those are 
biblical voices, even if they're based on God's truth. Why do you think the Bible has been abandoned from the public forum? If we can lose our standard of what's right, what's wrong, then guess what? Whatever is popular becomes truth. Whatever, whatever political party is in power sets the course. And what's frustrating to people is that we are loyal to a higher power. And we're resistant to being influenced away from what God is teaching us. It's interesting too in these suits that, that there, there are never uh, Muslim providers being sued whose, whose morale, morals are even stricter. We must follow our convictions. We must obey God in every situation and circumstance. But again, we don't angrily declare opposition. If we do, we don't look like Christ anymore. Scripture tells us man's anger does not carry out the righteousness of God. If you're angry, if you want to shout, if you want to argue, you need to be silent. And you need to step away and figure out what's going on in me. You know, anger is directly related to what emotion? Fear. Anger protects fear. So if you're finding yourself angry, you've got to find out what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of being wrong? Am I afraid, do I feel threatened here? See, we don't need to attack people caught in immoral behaviors. We need to love people caught in immoral behaviors. Can you see the, the image of God within these people, the priceless image of God? But we have to understand so that we can explain the emotional developmental source of sinful addictions. They have a source, don't they? You can, almost, you can almost define sin as, a, as an inappropriate attempt to compensate for something that's missing. Virtually all our sins is an attempt to compensate for something that was missing. Something in our childhood, something we believe, something... And we're trying to grab it instead of receive it from God. Is that true? And you know what? It covers the whole gamut. You know, often what's at the core of sin and particularly the practice of homosexuality is, is lacking the experience of a healthy, appropriate intimacy between parent and child. And see, the desire to feel that's not sin. You hear me? The desire's not sin. It's only the practice that's sin. It doesn't mean that a parent did wrong. It means that a child understood it that way. You see my point? Now, y'all need to study this. You need to understand it so you can love and help people that are caught in some sin, some lifestyle that's damaging to them and disobedient to God. Verse 12, we continue. 
Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, this man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, see how they seem? He has lived here 70 years and they're still identifying him as one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. So he didn't realize they were setting him up. He didn't even consider Daniel when they were setting him up. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. The king respected Daniel. That wasn't the bell to leave. <laughs> but this king was too proud, too self-centered to issue a new law. So he couldn't just cancel the law, but he could have issued a counter edict that would have essentially canceled the law. However, if he did that, he would be admitting that he made a what? He made a mistake. And if he's being set up as a God to be worshiped, how does a God admit he's making mistakes? In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. See, they were concerned that he might reverse it. They knew what he thought about Daniel. He's the one that was elevating him to over all of them. See the manipulation? So they were pressuring the king, knowing he was too weak to refuse. What about us? Are we too weak to do what's right in the face of pressure? Living with Christian conviction includes relying on God for the outcome. Verse 16. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Isn't that surprising? He's the one that said, throw him in. Then he says, but I hope your God preserves you. Because see, he was too weak. He was too cowardly. He was too insecure, too, too concerned about what all the people in the kingdom would think. He was too worried about what they might say to King Cyrus. So he wouldn't do what was right, what he knew was right. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so no one could rescue Daniel. See, he's working out of both sides, isn't he? He's making a big show of sealing the tomb, put him in there with the lions, and then he's whispering, but I hope you're safe. <laughs> then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Why couldn't he sleep? Guilt. Guilt. You ever tossed and turned because you were doing something you knew was not right? And very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? See what he's doing though? 
he's actually absolving himself of responsibility. He put him in, but he said, but I really want you to be all right here. Daniel, and Daniel, what does Daniel's name mean in Hebrew? Come on now, y'all only learned this six weeks ago. God is my judge. Answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. See, King Darius, God allowed King Darius to obey the law he'd made. And he allowed Daniel to be completely punished by the law. But the fact that he survived, see, still fulfilled the law. And Daniel escaped from death. The king was overjoyed and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. Look why. Y'all see it? Why wasn't he scratched? For he had trusted in his God. Wonder what would happen if we're threatened, if we don't start pulling levers, start manipulating, start coming up with a scheme, start figuring out how to get away, and we just prayed and say, God, I trust you. Wonder if we would escape unscathed, unscratched. Perhaps does God let us get scuffed up sometimes because we're living cowardly and not trusting whereas if we really trusted we might get a clean escape see we have to decide to always do what's right we have to honor God in every situation every circumstance but then we have to let God determine whether we're delivered as Daniel was or we suffer. Can you do that? Will you trust God? Will you put it in his hands? That's trusting God. That's fearing God. If we only display faith when it's safe to do so, we're actually demonstrating a lack of faith. Because faith is dependence. Therefore, it only shows up when you need to depend on God. You know, I'll give you a little almost silly example. Do you, you know, do you pray at home over your meals? You pray at home over your meals? Okay. Do you pray at McAllister's then? Or Wendy's? Now, I'm not saying be loud and bold and pray long, elaborate prayers. Your food will get cold. <laughs> but, but are you the same in the restaurant as you are at home? In other words, do you pray as usual? Now, let me tell you this. God always delivers. God always rescues. 
sometimes he delivers into heaven. Sometimes he rescues from the pain of this life into the joys of the next one. You know, Hebrews 11, y'all know what, what it's called. It, it's written about who? Heroes of the faith. I'm probably gonna preach Hebrews, the chap, uh, maybe next winter. But Hebrews says, and I paraphrase, that some of these people, men and women, were delivered from the sword. And others of them were delivered by the sword. And they died. Are our convictions bold enough to stand for God? Is, is your faith strong enough to trust him with the outcome? You see the result here. Daniel was taken out and then the king, you see the cruel nature of the king though. Then he threw the men who had accused Daniel, threw them into the, into the lion's den. But not only them, he threw their entire families in. And it says that they were attacked and killed and torn up by the lions before the people even hit the floor of the den. Daniel, remember, had said, let, let these wise men off, but not this king. Then the king sent this message all over the country. Peace and prosperity, he said to you. And he declared that through everyone throughout the kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And he'll rescue you if you trust him. Anybody living in a lion's den now? Sometimes we find ourselves in the lion's den and all we want is to escape from it. What if God put you there for you to live with conviction because someone else who's observing needs to see you? Can you live that way and trust God with the outcome? See, Daniel wasn't only in the lion's den overnight. Daniel lived in the, iron, in the lion's den his entire life in Babylon. Are you ready to represent Christ in this culture though the lions may prowl around? Counselors, you come to the front. Counselors are here to talk to you about faith in Christ, to pray for you, to anoint you with oil for healing. We do see miraculous healing. We don't predict it, but God can heal. And so we're here to, to do that. Father, how we thank you that you give us Daniel as an example to display how we can live with conviction in a culture where lions are prowling around. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.